Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. I am pumped for today's guest to join me. Corbin Burns, the reigning NL Cy Young winner, an awesome pitcher here in 2022 as well. This is going to be a blast of a conversation. We're going to talk to him about that 2021 season, having perhaps the best pitch in all of baseball that's been compared to Mariano Rivera and the the cool story of how he got to that pitch and how he figured it out and also his struggles in 2019 and eventually seeing a mental performance coach. It's been an awesome journey to get to where he is today and I am pumped for you all to hear this story. So let's welcome him in now, reigning NL Cy Young winner Corbin Burns. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Of course. Thanks for having me on. And it's really cool to be able to say that, by the way, reigning NL Cy Young winner. That's pretty cool. Uh, We will get there soon. But I want to go back a little bit with you and uh, talk about the earlier days. And just first off, how did you fall in love with the game of baseball? When did that start for you? Yes, I I, I play a lot of sports growing up. Um, You know, like like they say, you try to play everything you can. So my my parents got me into, I think I played literally every sport besides maybe soccer, uh, football, baseball, basketball played a ton of golf um, and baseball is something that I always kind of stuck with and, and always kind of gravitated toward uh, towards my my grandpa and uncle played a little bit of college baseball um, so that was kind of the, the, the route I wanted to go I uh, was probably a better golfer when I was younger um, but just like the team aspect of the game and, and love baseball and so kind of stuck with it through high school and was fortunate enough to play in college and then, and then got my chance to play professionally and and you know here we are now how's the how's the golf game these days I don't play as much as I'd as I'd probably like to, um, but you know I can still go out there and and you know kick it around close to close to par. Um, <laughs> if, if, I was, if I was playing playing a lot like I used to be, you know I could regularly shoot three or four hundred par. But um, yeah, right now if, you know the, the the putter isn't quite as good as it, as it used to be. <laughs> um, so did I hear this right? You didn't really start pitching or fully commit to pitching until your senior year of high school. Yeah, I mean growing up. You know, little league, everyone pitched. So it's like, oh, okay, right. you got to the man, this and that. Um, high school, I was I was a middle infielder. Um, I, I loved to hit, loved, loved to play defense. Um, and so really it was going to be my junior year that I was going to kind of get into pitching. I um, was still very undersized. Um, and so it's like, hey, you know, let's try this out. You got a good arm. Let's, let's see what can happen. Had some injuries, wasn't able to pitch my junior year. Um, senior year came back was healthy started pitching and it was kind of the first time I started to ask strength and, and grew a little bit and popped a few 89s and 90s and all of a sudden had some college um, college teams come <laughs> around it's it's weird to hear because now it's like guys are throwing 100 105 I know <laughs> yeah I was I was nowhere near that and then yeah I had, had one maybe two division one offers and and you know kind of rest is history from there and then 
Yeah, so it's really only been you know six, seven years of, of full-time pitching um, to this point. So I was going to ask, were you not super heavily recruited because you didn't start until late and, and kind of a late bloomer there, but obviously that's true. And you ended up going to St. Mary's, correct? Yep. Yeah, I went to St. Mary's. I was I was not gifted um, with, with the feet in the, in the infield. Didn't have a ton of pop at the bats. There weren't many college coaches calling for, for a, you know, an average hitting shortstop slash second baseman. So um, pitching was going to definitely be my route. And I you know, was fortunate enough to, to, to latch on with St. Mary's. And then uh, you had a good college career. So at what point throughout all of this process did you think and realize – I have a legitimate chance here to be really good and obviously not an L Cy Young Award winner good. Just like I, I can do this and I can do it for a long time if I commit to this. Yeah, I'd say once once I got to college and then um, after my sophomore season when I was given the opportunity to go play in the Cape Cod League, um, oh, was nice. kind of when, was kind of when it was like, hey, you got some scouts that are kind of, you know, kind of coming around. The Cape League's going to help. Um, when had a good showing in the Cape, and you know, that's when things kind of started to take off. Now all of a sudden, you got you know thirty MLB scouts calling and wanting to meet and, and you know hang out and talk to you. So that was kind of when it was like, hey, you know, we, we've got a chance of maybe playing playing professionally. Um, and then really, once I got in the minor leagues, it, it, everything went so quick. We threw the ball well. We kind of flew through the minor league system before we knew we were in the big leagues, and that's kind of when things started to take off. And you know, when we realized that, hey, we we, we I, I could be in this game for a long time. <laughs> what was uh, what was 2016 your draft day for you? You were drafted in the fourth round, um, and it had to be a really cool moment for you, as it is for most people. But take me through the moment you heard your name called. What was that like for you? Who was around you? Yeah, so so I was I was one of those guys that was you know hopeful to go on, on the first day in the in the first or second round and mm-hmm. um, had had some early phone calls. Nothing ever nothing, nothing ever came about it. Um, so early early day two, um, you know, sitting home with with my parents and you know, got the phone call that I was going to be drafted to the Brewers and then you know to see it come across the ticker because you know day two isn't heavily televised like the first day yeah. was. So saw it come across that I was. Drafted the Brewers, and then then you get the phone call that you know, hey, we you know, we select you with with that, whatever pick it was. I don't remember exactly. Um, and then they're like, okay, well, you know, we'll get back in contact with you in a couple hours. And <laughs> two or three hours later, say, okay, you got a you know, plane flight to Arizona. Or, or actually, I went to Milwaukee. <laughs> I went to Milwaukee first to sign, and then was in then headed to Arizona. So it just happens quick. You go from, hey, I might get drafted to three or four hours later, like, hey, here's your plane ticket to go to Milwaukee to sign your contract. It's, it's quick. It all happened so quick, man. I, I was in the 14th round, so much later. But I remember they end up calling, and they're like, all right, you got a plane ticket down to Lakeland, Florida, like tomorrow. I'm like, wait. So this is all happening so quick. And then I get down there, and you think, oh, great, this is professional baseball. And I'm like staying in the dorms in Lakeland and immediately just get thrown into the grind. So before we get to the established now big league career that you have, did you have along the way, and you kind of shot through the minors, but did you have any like grind stories like the minor league grind? I feel like I have a million and I always like to tell like one on here, but one that comes to mind is in the Midwest League. We went to play in Clinton and this was my first full season and we're playing in Clinton and the smell of that place like just being there was an absolute nightmare I'm like oh god this is pro baseball so along your way did you have any like minor league grind stories I don't have a ton I was I was fortunate enough in every spot that I was at um they're like oh you just missed out on the 13 hour bus trip I was like oh great you know <laughs> <laughs> like for you guys I'm, I'm glad to be here I only got the four hour trip um 
But now just like I had a weird story, like I was drafted and I threw a lot of innings in college that season. So I went to Milwaukee, signed my contract, you know, did whatever, got to, you know, tour the big league clubhouse and the facility and was great. Was sent to Arizona and they said, hey, you've thrown enough innings, like you're probably just going to work out, maybe throw a couple of bullpens here or there, and then your, your year is going to be done. I was like, okay, cool. So this is my, my first half season in, in pro ball is not going to be much of anything. So, you know, week 10 days go by working out playing catch then all of a sudden they're like yeah you know what we want you to throw some more innings so you're going to ramp it up and then and go to a ball and i was like okay i just went from being in arizona for the rest of the you know <laughs> season to now i'm heading out to, to the midwest league in, in appleton so head out there i made maybe five or six starts out there and i i was fortunate enough i i, I did go to clinton i went to beloit because but those were those were easy trips um from appleton you know three or four hours mm-hmm. but yeah the smell in clinton is terrible but you know some of the hotels that we sit on beloit are, were awful but you know, they, <laughs> they've done the, they've redone the place now um yeah so i was fortunate enough like i missed you know the long road trips in the midwest league then in a ball we weren't in in brevard anymore we were now in, in carolina and and um the, we the cats and I mean, that was, that was that was a great league. There wasn't really any bad spots there. I was there for, you know, I think 10 weeks before I was called up to double-A. Um, got to Biloxi, um, and now you're in double-A. I mean, things are nicer. Obviously, they're not like triple-A, bigly level, but they're a lot nicer. So I was yeah. able to, to escape some of the, you know, the rookie ball, A-ball disaster stories and, and got to double-A pretty quick. I Putting the time frame together, I'm pumped that Brevard was no longer in the Brewers organization because in 2016 – when you pitched in that league, I was in the Florida State League, which, you know, you just pick a year and I was there. I got trapped there. I was a Florida State lifer. But I missed you, thankfully. But I had to face, like, Woodruff. I had to face a bunch of those guys for throughout my career and just, um, you know, not a, a lot of good arms in the Brewers organization for sure. Um, okay. Hey, so in 2018, you end up you're starting a lot of games and then you're relieving some games and then you get called up to the big leagues and first off and and I, I like to ask people this question because it was it was the call that every kid dreams of that I was close to and didn't quite get and you got that call so what was that moment like for you the moment of getting called up to the big leagues Yes, I was in I was in Colorado Springs. Um, I actually remember my last start um, was in Colorado Springs before I got called in the office, and you just had a, had a horrible start. And they're like, "Hey, you know, this isn't a this isn't a punishment, but you know, we're moving you to the bullpen." And at first, I was like, "Oh man, what this this sucks." And then, <laughs> then, and then our manager Rick Sweet was like, "No, this this is a good move. They're moving you to the bullpen. The big league club views you as an option to help out in the near future." And I was like, "Okay, well, that changed quickly." You know, from, <laughs> I got demoted to the bullpen to wait, I might be in the big league. So, <laughs> um, so then I, they, they had this plan. It was all scheduled out of how I was going to transition to the bullpen, scheduled days, scheduled innings. Um, and then maybe three quarters of the way through the schedule they had planned out for me. Um, I, I wasn't pitching that day. I'm sitting down in the bullpen. All of a sudden the manager comes walking down and we have Tim Dillard who's been, you know, was yeah. in the biggest for a little bit, but a minor league life. Hysterical. And uh, he goes, uh, someone's going up and we're all like, what do you mean? It's like, he's like, Skipper never comes down to the bullpen. He always stays in the dugout. So we're, we're watching, we're kind of looking around, Hey, who's it going to be? And he grabs me and, and pulls me to the side and says, Hey, you know, go, go pack your things. Um, you got a fight tomorrow morning. Um, you're going to the big leagues. And I was like, you know, sweet. Uh, this is, you know, obviously the perfect, perfect scenario. Obviously wasn't starting well, got moved to the bullpen, going to the big leagues, get to go help out. I was lucky enough that my you know girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, was in Colorado Springs visiting. 
Mm-hmm. And so I rushed up, packed my bag, called her. She picked me up. We went back to the apartment to start, to start packing. And I was, I was a mess. I was just flustered everywhere. I couldn't find anything <laughs> packed. Like I couldn't find a suitcase to pack. And she's like, Hey, just chill. Just sit there for a second. Like, let me start packing things like take a breath. Love that. Enjoy it. And so, I mean, it was awesome. We went and got dinner after, um, but I was fortunate enough to have her there to help me. Cause I was just, I was a mess. I was running around like, you know, chicken with my head cut off, just absolutely couldn't find stuff, like losing everything, like flustered. Like my flight was at like 5 a.m. the next morning. So I was like, I'm never going to get packed in time. Like it was just a mess, but um, it worked out to have her there. Got called up on a, on a Sunday day game in, in Milwaukee. So I flew from Colorado Springs to Chicago. Um, there was a one o'clock game. I think I landed in Chicago at noon. So my time rolled into the stadium about one fifteen, maybe five or 10 minutes after the game started. They're like, Hey, you know, congrats. You're active. And I didn't know I was going to be active that day. I thought I was going to be active Monday when we were on the road, They're like, Hey, you're active, grab some food, you know, play catch in the third inning of the bullpen. And we'll see if you get, we'll try to get you in there tonight. And I was like, Holy moly. Like I went from going to enjoy this first day up here. to <laughs> no, You're active. Like you might pitch. And then, it ended up taking three days before I actually got into a game. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. Just the, the hectic trying to pack, trying to get out of there. Hey, you know, you're not going to be active once you get there. Okay. No, you're actually, you are active. You're ready to <laughs> what, what were the nerves when you three days later, when you did finally get that call from the pen to come in, like, were you n- more nervous than you've ever been or were you calm, cool and collected? Yeah. I mean, I was pretty nervous. Um, I, I was lucky at my, my first, really day in the big leagues was we were in Milwaukee and then we were going on the road. We went to Miami. So my first day in the big leagues, I went from Milwaukee to Miami, which is probably one, arguably one of the best road trips um, as far as hotels and stuff goes is, is Miami trip. Um, so I was up for three days and, and never even got, never even warmed up, never even got called down <laughs> to start getting loose. And eventually we got to the, the fourth day and council goes, Hey, you're going to pitch today. He's like, I promise you, you're going to pitch today. We got some guys down, like you're pitching. I was like, okay, yeah, sure, counts. Heard that before. <laughs> um, and so the seventh inning rolls around. We're up, I think, like four to two against the Marlins. And I was like, there's no chance I'm picking this game. We got Jeremy Jeffress, Josh Hader, and Corey Knable to throw three, you know, two of these three, you know, yeah. actually two innings left. We got three guys of those two innings. There's no way I'm pitching. And um, he calls down and says, yeah, I got the eighth inning. And I was like, like, wait a minute. I think he, I think he messed up. I think he, he, he called someone else's game. There's no way I'm coming in at a, a two run ball game. My first batting in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, sure enough came in first pitch, went to the backstop. Um, but then after that, we, we, we locked it in, got a, got a two inning save in my, in my debut. And, wow. um, yeah, it was funny. We actually, I was actually talking to council last week when, um, one of our young guys, um, debut, I said, council, do you remember my debut? He's like, Oh yeah. Because I, I had to throw you in a two-run game in, in Miami. He goes, but I knew you could handle it because there's only six thousand fans in, in that stadium. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you end up that year pitching in I think thirty games. As you know, you come up, you pitch in thirty games in relief. Uh, you end up going to the NLCS. You pitch in four games in the NLCS. You're on the cusp of the World Series as a rookie. I mean. How much of a whirlwind was that 2018 season for you? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, you know, from from the story I just just told with with the call up to kind of being that guy, I was like the sixth or seventh inning guy. To eventually, I was working into throwing like you know the seventh or eighth inning in in tight ball games to 
you know, throwing the, the, the game three clincher or not game three, but game three against the Rockies in the NLDS. We swept them. They got their two innings in that year, three or four innings in that series, but two in that game. And then, like you say, four innings against the Dodgers in the NLCS. Um, actually finished game six to, to force a game seven in the NLCS. But, um, you know, it's crazy to think that I was started that year in, in Colorado Springs and, you know, probably pitching on the moon, tough place to pitch to finish in the year you know, one game away from the world series. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> and then, you know, to now have gone to the postseason four years in a row with, with a lot of the same guys, it's, you know, it's pretty special. It's, it's something that a yeah. lot of guys don't get to do. Um, you know, I've been in the postseason ever since I've been in the big league. So it's, it's kind of, kind of cool to say, and, and uh, kind of been a, a, you know, crazy ride these first you know five seasons. So that next season, 2019, uh, you struggled, uh, end up getting sent down, and, and I want to talk about that because I feel like it's important. I feel like people don't understand the mentally taxing side of baseball. Uh, I actually had John Smoltz on the show recently who is very vocal about seeing a psychiatrist during or a psychologist during his time in the uh, during one season and how that kind of totally changed the rest of his career. You ended up doing that in 2019, right? You were struggling and during the season uh, got basically a mental coach. Yeah. Yeah. So 2019, um, ton of excitement to start the years, you know, Toll's going to start in the rotation. Um, they were going to put the three in guys, me, Freddie and Woody in the rotation. And, and I did the worst of all of them struggled the most was sent up and down back and forth between triple A and the big leagues, um, starting in the bullpen. Um, and we just got to the point in really August of 2019 where I was like, Hey, we, we, we got to get away from the game. Like it was, it was bad. Um, was, you know, kind of went back to Arizona, tried to hit the reset button, try to, try to salvage the season a little bit with a good September. And mm-hmm. um, really that's kind of when the, the foundation started leading into, into 2020, but that's when I started working with, with uh, um, Brian Kane, a you know, mental performance coach oh, yeah. and kind of just wanted to first find a way to separate the game and life. Um, you know, so much of baseball was carrying over into, into my life and my relationship with, you know, my, my now wife and, and family. So it was like, you know, we, we got to find these ways to separate baseball and life. Um, otherwise just everything was going to be tough. And so that's kind of the first thing that we started with. And then once we were able to, to kind of get a, the grasp on that, then we started working on the, you know, the process and the routine of how we were going to have success on the field. And for me, that started with just planning out days, um, having a routine when I woke up in the morning, being able to flip that switch when we got to the field of like, Hey, now it's time to work. You know, we had, we had life at home. Now it's time to work, you know, whatever it is, if it was a starting routine a relieving routine, like, Hey, today you're going to work out today. You're going to have, you know, your, your catch play, go through all breathing techniques, um, focusing techniques, and just find a way to, once we got on the mound, we weren't worried about anything else. We weren't worried about if we were prepared, um, what was going to happen that day, what we're going to do that day. It was just, we're going to control one pitch at a time. And that was, that's kind of what it narrowed down to of controlling the things that I can control when I was on the mound. Um, and for me, that just, it made baseball so much easier, so much more fun. Um, I could enjoy my time on the mound. Um, I could mid game, I could be joking around with guys. Cause it, it for me, it wow. was, I was able to, to come in and out every pitch that once I, once I got on the, um, you got the ball and got on the rubber, it was, Hey, okay, we're going to execute this fastball down the way. Um, so if something happened in the field, I could sit there and joke about it and laugh and um, been able to carry that over for, for the last three years now. And um, it's just made, made life and, and baseball so much easier. What would you have done? Because from my perspective, when I, when I struggled, 
I really struggled. And and the sport can be so mentally taxing and, and it's so numbers oriented, especially in the minor leagues working your way up. All the numbers are right there in front of you. I would go 0 for 4, which could then lead to an 0 for 8. And if I went 0 for 8, I was going 0 for 12. I was going to go 0 for 16. And at some point you snap out of it. But I was just taking it home. Like how, how would you, and I know it's a little different as a starter, but let's say you had two, three bad starts in a row. How did you ultimately get to the point where it wasn't completely bogging you down? Because I feel like if I had figured that out, it could have been a little bit better. But I wasn't able to do that. I wasn't able to turn the page. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's easy to say, just turn the page. It's not that simple. So what what would you have done? Yeah, for me, it was finding that process and that routine that I could just dive right back into. If I Mm -hmm. could take my mind and... um, you know, just my thought process away from, you know, the bad and bad adding or the two bad addings or really digging into the video and, you know, going through my process of breaking down an outing and finding the good pieces here and there. Hey, you know, the, the, the slider was good. Let's build off that. The curveball, just finding something to build off of and then throwing myself right back into my process and my routine of leaving what was in the past in the past and really just being, you know, the saying that Brian Kano's used is, is, is be where your spikes are go through a, a, you know, meditative breath, be where your spikes are. And that is, Hey, it's, it's in the now we have to compete to get ready for the next outing. This game is so fast and there's so many guys that are going to come take your spot. If, if you don't, you know, compete and be consistent at this level. So for me, it was, yeah, you know, through, through the process of, you know, going, finding this routine and this day-to-day one pitch at a time process, there was, there were struggles and it was more about, Hey, dive back, right back into your process, get what's comfortable, um, get back in, in, in the weight room, get back into your catch play sessions, get back into your, your breathing, your focusing techniques and, and just know that you belong at this level. You know, I, I did it in 2018. I struggled in 19. There's no reason why I can't be that pitcher that I was in 18. And for me, that was the, this process of, you know, going through my, my daily work, my daily, you know, meditation, breathing, um, and just being in the now. Well, all right. I, I'm convinced I'm going to make a comeback now. I know I belong in the Florida State League. I know I can compete in the Florida State <laughs> League. So, what what percentage? If you had to put a percentage on it, because you the, you know baseball is is so mental, and you you've heard the Yogi Berra quote a million times. I don't exactly know what it is. Fifty percent of the game is ninety percent mental, or ninety percent of the game is fifty percent mental. Whatever it is, if you had to put a percentage on how mental the game of baseball is, once you get to the professional level, everybody can can play. What percentage of baseball would you put on it being the mental side of the game? Yeah, I mean, that's I, I think different people will say different percentages. I would say it's probably in that, you know, 80, 85, 90 percent, um, you know, percentile of, yeah. of the mental side of it. Um, you know, guys up and down a lineup can now, especially now, can stand on the mound and throw 100. Um, guys have nasty stuff. You know, it's not really physical anymore. Guys can train so hard the physical aspect of it to have just as good stuff if not better than anyone in the big leagues right now but it's it takes the you know the process the the mentality behind it the you know the work ethic to to really you know be able to compete in the big leagues whose idea was it to see brian smoltz said his gm actually came to him and and mentioned it whose idea was it for you to see him 
mine is my agent. Um, my, my agents, Mark O'Brien and, and Joe Urban, um, they, they had heard of this guy. They had met him once before. Um, there was a couple of other big leaguers that had used him. Um, he was really big in um, UFC um, and really the college ranks um, with at, at the time. But he had, I, I know he worked with Jake Arrieta in the past, mm-hmm. uh, a couple other big leaguers um, that he had started working with in college that actually worked with in the big leagues. Okay. Um, so this was just something that was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm at this point, I've got nothing to lose. Like I'm, I'm not even in the big leagues anymore in 2019. I don't know if I'm gonna have a chance to get back to the True. big leagues. So it's, it's, it's worth a shot and you know, I'm, I'm happy I did it. So in 2020, it all clicked for you. It all, it all came together. Was it just taking everything you knew from the pitching perspective and then everything you had learned from the mental side of the game and then putting that all together? Or was it a combination of the mental side of the game and also you figured out stuff with your arm and your mechanics? Yeah, so I think you know spring training going into 2020 before we had the, the you know the COVID situation. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I felt good. I felt like stuff's in a good place uh, mentally. I was good. Um, it, the stuff wasn't the same in that spring training than it was in the you know the shortened 2020 season. Um, but mentally, I felt like you know I was ready to compete. I was trying to compete for a job in the in, in the bullpen. Really, um, you know they they were going to try to lengthen me out, but we we you know we had five or six guys that were going to be in the rotation. So for me, it was like yeah, you know I'll lengthen out, but I'm, I'm going to try to earn a spot in that bullpen again, and and see what happens. And then we, obviously we had the the COVID situation, and for me that was perfect. Like it was the perfect situation that I could continue to work on my mental side. I'd had like this test run of five or six outings in spring training. It went so this well. is before the shutdown you're talking about. This is this a, yeah before okay. the shutdown we had a, we had our spring training before That's right. we got. Shut down. Um, so, and I had five or six good outings under my belt. Like I was throwing the ball. Well, I felt like I was going to make the team. We got shut down. Could have looked at it as, Hey man, this sucks. Like, I was getting ready to make the team. It's going to have a good year. But for me, I looked at it as, Hey, I had five or six outings of mm-hmm. testing this, you know, my mental process, my routines, my breathing. And it was, it was going good. It was going great. So for me, it was like, okay, this is good. However long this COVID shutdown is going to be at the time we thought it was only going to be three or four weeks. I was going to continue to refine this process. We're going to get going again. I was going to be, you know, make the team have a good year in that being three months. Um, so for me, it was like, you know what, actually throughout this time, I'm going to continue to try to refine my mechanics, mental mm-hmm. stuff's there. I'll continue to work that going to work on the mechanics a little bit. You know, some pitch type stuff. I started throwing the cutter, um, but it was, it was a brand new pitch. I'd only, I maybe threw it, you know, five or six times in a game. Um, so that was something I was really going to hammer on. And I really used that three months to basically reshape my pitch, you know, Arsenal through this cutter a ton, um, you know, helped develop the, the slider and curveball even more, the change up, the sinker. Um, so for me, I felt like I was in a better spot coming back from the, you know, the, the, the COVID situation to start that short in 2020 than I was in the spring training had we started the season. So now as mentally, I was better. Mechanically, I felt better. My pitches felt better. And then we had our, um, you know, summer camp that we were in Milwaukee playing inter squads. We played, I don't know, 11 or 12 inter squads. And yeah. I think I gave up maybe one or two hits in that, in that. In <laughs> I was like, you know, I, the, I, I found the solution. Well, let's get games going. I'm, I'm ready to get into games. And then um, game started and, and you know, obviously had that good career, but that was kind of the building, the building blocks going into 2021. How did you learn that cutter? I don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say it's, the, one of the best pitches in baseball, if not the best pitch in baseball. How did that come to be? How did you learn it? Was it just from tinkering with stuff or were, were you studying a bunch of people to get it perfect? 
No, so for me, it was actually just tinkering. Um, you know, I, I, I had a good slider in 18, had a good slider in 19. Um, but for me, I needed to find a way to, to have a strike pitch early on to get to that slider for the punch out pitch. I couldn't mm-hmm. be throwing a punch out slider every time. So I was trying to really just tink with, tinker with, you know, this slider that had, you know, a little bit made a little bit more horizontal um, break action versus the, the good vertical action, throw it a little bit harder, a little bit tighter. And the more I threw it and then, the more I threw a forcing fastball, my forcing fastball had some natural cut to it that I was always trying to keep straight. Um, so the more I kind of threw this forcing and had the feel for this, you know, harder slider, I was like, wait a minute, I, I can basically just take a fastball grip and slightly, you know, manipulate the baseball and just mm-hmm. throw it and it's going to have this cutting action. So once I kind of felt, figured that out, then I could start to throw it to both sides of the plate. So this was a process that happened somewhat in spring training prior to 2020 of figuring out that, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of going to throw this cutter to the three months where we had the COVID um, situation that I was able to really command it, throw it to both sides of the plate, could throw it up, could throw it down. And so that happened really quick. Um, and it was just this having to just stumble across trying to throw a little bit harder slider <laughs> and, and a forcing basketball that had some cut to it. And, um, yeah, I mean now we're we're throwing it sixty percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, that plays ninety upper nineties with with cut action. <laughs> I think I found something here. I'm gonna use this yeah. a lot. So you end up uh, taking all of that momentum from that 2020 shortened season into 2021 and start the year with 58 Ks to zero walks, um, breaking every record you can think of to start the year. Every record from a starter any record from a reliever to start the year it even broke the all-time record for just not even to start a year it was like 56 before consecutive strikeouts without a walk during any point in the season you broke that as well how huge was that for your confidence to come back after another off season, another spring training basically saying all right i hope i can take what i learned and what i found in 2020 into 2021 and then it doesn't take you long to realize i immediately found it how big was that for your confidence yeah, so the, the more I threw the cutter, the more I was able to command it. Um, and once I figured out that I could command this thing to both sides of the plate, really wherever I wanted to, could throw it as hard as I could and could still throw it in, in the, the zone is kind of when, you know, it was kind of the game changer for me. I um, started that year not, you know, wanting to break a record of, you know, whatever, walk, you know, strike us out of walk, but I knew that, you know, my cutter played in the zone. So I was going to throw it in the zone. I was going to make guys swing, make guys get themselves out. Um, and it led to, I could really, oh, oh, throw it, throw it over the plate. Oh, one, oh, two, two, oh, three, oh, it didn't matter. I got, I could throw it at the bottom of the zone and um, was getting some swings and misses, some weak contact. And um, just was, you know, felt like anytime I could throw it, I didn't really feel like guys could hit at the time. Um, and it kind of just led to, you know, this, this, this record of 58 strikeouts out of the walk, obviously had some help along the way guys, you know, three, two pitches out of the zone guys, good swings. You, you gotta have, gotta have some luck to, uh, to, to make it that long. And also some strike. good movement on like, a lot yeah, of <laughs> yeah. You gotta help. But yeah, it's I, not I, all luck. Give yourself some credit here. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I found a pitch that I had a ton of confidence in and, and could throw whenever I wanted to, you know, and this had to be cool to hear recently. You recently started against the Mets, and, and post-game Buck Showalter was asked just about you and your start and about the cutter. He said, thank Mariano Rivera as a starter. Like, think back 
eight years ago or however long ago. Like, imagine hearing that from Buck Showalter, a legend in the game. Think Mariano Rivera as a starter. How cool is it to hear that? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he's obviously one of the guys that had the best cutter in the game, best closers um, in, in the game for a long time. And, and um, you know, he, he got to, to coach against him. I think he said he managed him for a year. Um, so j- just to be put in that in that category is, is, is pretty special because um, obviously you hear about you know, all the, the records he has in the postseason, how many saves he's got. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool just to be included in, in, in a sentence with that name. So you end up ultimately winning the Cy Young Award last year, uh, which was awesome and, and really cool to see. What was that moment like for you? The moment you heard your name called, be honest, did they give you a call like a few minutes early? Did you know? What was that moment like for you? Yes, yeah, so that was that, that was cool. Um, I, I was able to, to have a lot, a lot of friends and family around me um, to for the, the ceremony. But um, just to... You hear your name called. I, I I didn't know. I they that's so cool. there was there was so MLB had people there filming. Um, supposedly they knew and you know an hour or two before, <laughs> uh, but you know they they didn't tell us. We in the room we didn't know. Um, I think my agent found out two minutes before we went live, but he he didn't tell anyone. Um, and so I you know I, I I heard live with with my family and wow. uh, you know friends sitting around me, and so it was cool. I I, I didn't know if I was going to win. It was one of those that you know the could have gone to me, Zach, or or Max. You know, everyone had good years, so you know, it's going to come down to whatever the voters, I mean, whatever they thought. And um, yeah, so it, it was cool. I found out live, um, got to celebrate with the family that night, and then um, eventually got the, the the Cy Young Award. We didn't have the didn't have the dinner because of the the COVID. Oh yeah, you know all the protocols and stuff going on in New York. So I I didn't actually see the award and receive it until actually um, you know, our opening series this year. So funny stories about a couple of those things. One, uh, my brother's first Cy Young Award. I was like locked in on uh, MLB Network watching like the announcement was about to happen. And I got a phone call from Justin like 30 seconds. They were like getting ready to announce this. And I get a phone call from Justin and he's like, hey, I just wanted you to know I won. So I was like, one, I didn't know. Like my reaction was all over the place. I like started crying. I was freaking out. And then I was watching the TV again. And I was like, well, this is kind of anticlimactic. Now I know what's going to happen. And then his award actually, it actually showed up. And I was still either, I was in high school at the time. So the Cy Young Award actually showed up at my parents' house, at my house, like in a UP, like the UPS guy just dropped it off and we opened up the box and it was the Cy Young Award and the MVP Award. And we're like, what, what, how often is this just showing up at people's houses? That's funny. That's uh, funny. So did you, that year, uh, last year, it, it was really close ultimately with you and Zach Wheeler and Scherzer thrown in there as well. Um, all had really good years. Did you convince yourself leading up to it? Had you convinced yourself, all right, I'm winning this thing? Or were you like, nope, I'm not winning. I'm not getting my expectations up. Where were you at mentally in the days leading up to that? I, I think I was kind of in the middle. I was like, you know, I think I got a chance. Um, you know, these other two guys are big names, so I, maybe I don't have a chance. So I was, I was kind of was kind of in the middle. Um, you, know, you could look at everything you, you, you wanted to as far as, oh, they think you're going to win it. Oh, they, they don't think you're going to win it. Um, you know, you see all the, the shows they were doing on MLB Network and, and no one really knew. So, um, you know, me and my wife were just kind of like, hey, we don't know. We're going to go have this, you know, this this celebration party. It's either we're celebrating the Cy Young or we're celebrating a good year. So that's kind of how <laughs> we did it. And, um, you know, good thing we got to celebrate both. So in 20, 
2019, you threw about 70 innings. 2020, you throw 59 and two-thirds innings. 2021, you throw 167 innings. So I want to ask you, as you're in the midst of another good season and a team that should be in the playoffs, is talented enough, you're, you're set up for another long postseason run, but last year you threw by far the most innings you've ever thrown in your lifetime. How are you preparing to do that all over again and, and pitch even deeper into the playoffs? Did it start in the offseason? Is it stuff you're doing throughout the season to just prepare yourself and to know, okay, I'm going to be a little tired down the stretch. Here's what I have to do because you're coming off the most innings you've ever thrown and you're going to have to do it again for the first time in your life. Yeah, so for me, it's, um, you know, when I look at 2020, having only thrown 60 innings in in actual games, um, I think I did more throwing in baseball than anyone that year um, in those three months um, yeah. leading up to that that COVID, that COVID season. I, you know, I was throwing two or 300 baseballs in, in the backyard every day um, to, to, to work on the, you know, the, the pitch arsenal. So I, when the season started um, in, was at mid-July, like I was, I, I feel like I'd already, I'd probably thrown more baseballs than I had in my entire life leading up. To that. I, was, I was, I was wanting to be so ready when that season started. So having only thrown, you know, credited for 59 innings that year, I think I probably total probably could have been in that 150 mark just as far as how many baseballs I threw and sim yeah. games in the backyard and stand in hitters. So um, going to once, you know, one, the almost 170 last year, um, body, body felt good. Um, arm felt great. Um, you know, I, my, my, routines in the in the off season are, are obviously geared to, to throw 200 plus every year and that, that's what i my goal is to start the year is to be out there be healthy for you know for 30 plus which means we're, you know, we're going to be around 200 um you know this year we've, we've again we've been able, been able to be healthy get out there quite a bit um but yeah i mean my, my goal is to be that guy that, that a team can can run out there and, and lean on to to throw a ton of innings every year um you know physically i think i'm built for it mentally i'm built for it um, so, you know, my goal is, is always to, to be healthy 30 plus, whether it's, you know, 180, 210, 220, however many is, is that year based off, you know, how things are going. That's, that's always the goal. That's a good point. 2020 wasn't really a shortened season. You probably threw more pitches than, than you've ever thrown in your life. And that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, some fun questions for you before we finish up. And yep. the first of which is throughout your career, what is your favorite stadium? And you have to take your home stadium out of it. So uh american family or whatever it's called now miller park whatever you want to call it take that out of it what's your favorite place to visit so favorite stadium to throw in um i would say uh bush stadium i i, I think it's a great atmosphere um it's, it's a great ballpark fun place to pitch um but then other than that favorite city to go to um not necessarily for baseball but just to go is is, is i think san diego i think a lot of places a lot of people can can put that toward the top of their list just because yeah. of you know, the weather, cool ballpark. But, um, yeah, favorite place to throw outside of Miller Park would be, be uh, Bush Stadium, and then favorite city would probably be San Diego. Yeah, Petco's beautiful as well. That place is awesome. Um, toughest out for you in your career? So the, I get that question a lot, and it, it's always <laughs> been Buster Posey. Um, obviously, not, he's, he's, he's retired, so it's going to have to be by someone else in, in the years moving forward. But um, I remember coming up and, and facing him a bunch in 18, and he always seemed to get me. 19, he got me. Like, um, so it was just like, you know, that I, it didn't matter what I did. He could be, you know, 01, 02, fouling stuff off. He's, he's going to get a knock. Um, he's just so smart up there, and 
and was able to foul pitches off till he got a mistake pitch to hit. Um, it, I think I don't think it was until the last time I faced them last year that I finally, I think I punched him out two or three times in a game, and I think that was finally like, okay, I finally got this guy. Like it took took three years to get him, but I finally got him. Uh, I, it, that reminds me when my when my brother uh, he always Jim Tomey always got him pretty good, and finally he retired, and it's probably the same feeling you had, like thank God. And then one day, Justin got him to sign a bat. He has like a bunch of memorabilia. And Jim Tomey signed him this bat and signed it uh, to Justin. 600 home runs. Thanks for the help, Jim Tomey. (laughs) And that's always made me laugh. Uh, Okay, next up. If you could take from any major league pitcher right now, or even in history, if you could take one pitch from anybody, but you had to get rid of one of yours, what would that pitch be and who would it be from? Um, that's a good one. Um, I think active, an active player, I think I would, would swap out my changeup with, with Devin Williams' changeup. Um, I think adding that would be, be pretty good. Um, all time. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just stick in, in the realm of, of cutters, and if, if I had to drop my cutter, I'll pick up Mariano's cutter. Yeah, not too much of a difference there, but you can't go <laughs> you can't go wrong there. Um, all right, next one. What is a skill that you have that most people don't know that you have? Is it like 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 video games or ping pong, like something you're really good at? And since you already talked about your golf and you can shoot under par, let's stay away from golf. So something else. Stay away from golf. Um, skill I'm good at. A skill I like to think I'm good at is, is catching fish. <laughs> Um, you know, I've, one of my hobbies in the off season is, is I spend a lot of time on the lake, whether it's, um, you know, with the family or, or, or out on the, on the bass boat fishing. Um, so I like to think I'm pretty good at catching fish. Probably not. There's a lot of other guys that catch fish a lot better than me, but, um, I'll, I'll go with that. All right. I love that. All right. Last one for you. You've had a really cool journey. Uh, one from a, a kid that wasn't the highest touted prospect in the world uh, to winning the NL Cy Young Award and that's a pretty cool journey what would be some advice to kids coming up playing the game of baseball what would be the best piece of advice that you could give people coming up it would just be to, to have fun playing the game um, you, you never know when when it's going to be over for you when your last game's going to be um, some points in 2019, I thought I was never going to get back to the big leagues, um, you know, going up and down and struggling. Um, and so when I, when I found out that, you know, I could, could play this game for a living and have fun doing it, it's kind of when I realized that, um, you know, I, I really wanted to play the game. That's, that's, you know, when you go through all those struggles, you're like, man, this, sometimes this is, it's not worth it going up and down and traveling and being away from my wife and, and the dogs. Um, so for me, it was like, if I can have fun playing this game, I want to keep playing it. And so that's kind of something I was able to unlock there in, in between 2019 and 2020 is having fun playing the game and, um, you know, just enjoy being around your teammates. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It has truly been a blast to watch you pitch uh, and, and to get to know you as well has been really cool. You're an awesome dude off the field as well. So good luck the rest of the year. You're forever a friend of the pod. Hopefully I can see you soon in LA for the all-star game. Uh, knock on wood there. That would be awesome, but uh, good luck the rest of the way, man. And thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on and yeah, we'll see you soon. Sounds good. I just wanted to thank Corbin Burns for joining me. What an awesome conversation. Really cool to peel back the layers, especially from that 2019 season. Seeing how um, open he is to talking about that is really cool. And to see what he's doing now and where he is now 
is truly awesome. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. That was an absolute blast with one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball right now. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Flipping Bats. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, wherever that may be. We're also on all social media platforms at Flipping Bats Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can watch every episode on YouTube. That's Flippin' Bats Pod. Oh, and we're on TikTok as well, so check that out. But thank you all for listening. This has been an absolute blast of an episode. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I will see you next time on Flippin' Bats.